Hey guys, it's Dan from the Batchat Podcast. We're running our tipping competition again. That's right. Last year we had huge prizes. I think we gave away thousands of dollars. This year it's going to be even better. You have to be a patron though, so head to backchatpodcast.com.au. You can sign up as a patron there. You get access to early episodes and also our merch. It's pretty good. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello guys, if you've never joined us before and you've just clicked on this because you've seen this man we're interviewing on the podcast, welcome. Basil Zemplis this week. Uh, It's a ripping chat. I gave him a political warning before we got into it. We don't need to hear about the seat of Churchlands, Baz. This is about sport and it's excellent. He called Stephen Bradbury home to win gold for Australia and many, many more moments across AFL and Olympic sports here in Australia and abroad. Basil Zemplis, a great chat. You're going to love it. Tell your friends about it. Backchat Studios on YouTube and listen to us a podcast. Enjoy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Backchat. This week on the show... We have, I don't know how to describe this man, so I'm just going to use his name. Basil Zemplis joins us. Hello, Basil. How are you, Basil? Uh, uh, hello, Dan. Uh, hello, Will. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And as you were saying, that I was thinking, actually, how do I uh, get introduced these days? Well, that, that's something that you can just go with the name and that'll do it. Yeah, yep. I think usually the name works pretty well. Um, yeah, I'm going to give you a clip off the top here, Basil. Right. This Fair is enough. a sports podcast. Yeah. And that's why you are here. We know, we know. We know, don't we, Dan? We know all we, the things. We know the politics. politics yeah. We know yeah. we know that. Okay, we know all that. We are here for sport. Right on. And and I'm if I had a buzzer, if I if I sniff any political it's stuff right. coming out, I'm gonna buzz you. Yeah. Right. I'm just and and also I, we've just moved here to Perth. Yeah. So I believe we are in your we're constituents, are we? Believe it or not, you're just over you just the wrong <laughs> side of Newcastle right. oh. Street. Well, you have no, gone there. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna say so we don't care about all that stuff. We're going sport. We're going sport. We asked us the first question. Mm. The same is to every guest we have in mm-hmm. here, Basil. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're a big fan of Backchat, so you'll know mm. what's coming. But just in case you don't, <laughs> we want to know your greatest sporting achievement, yeah. right? And this is powered by Fleet Network, Backchat mm. in 2024. Yeah. Your greatest sporting achievement, I'm going to say not in football because I, we're going to dive, in, we're gonna dive into waffle, right? Because <laughs> usually if there's a sports person sitting here, yeah. we say greatest sporting achievement, not in your chosen sport. Yeah. Now, I'm giving you football as your chosen sport, given your waffle yeah, fair uh, career. Yeah. So another sport. 
Needs to be something else other than footy, okay. Basil. All right. Well, what have you got for yeah, us? Yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm ha- happy here. So uh, I went to Hale School here in Perth. Good. Uh, and uh, hadn't played much basketball uh, as a primary schooler. Got to Hale. You had to pick a summer sport. Had played cricket as a junior, but for whatever reason, tall, athletic. The coaches said, yes. "Come and have a crack at basketball. You'll be all right at this." Yes. Anyway, uh, quickly learned on the run. Bit athletic, so I was able to play. Anyway, year eleven, I make the first five. Wow. So that's the big hey. team. Pretty happy about that. High fiving myself <laughs> and all that. And at the end of year eleven. At the uh, Sport Awards, yes. I win the most improved player in uh, the first five basketball team. Great. We're not at the end though yet. So I think, okay, that's good. Good development, good progress. I had only picked up the game four years ago. I'm yes. in the first five, starting five, all of that. Anyway, fast forward another 12 months. End of year 12. So by this stage, I'm one of the year 12s in the first five basketball team. Right. Should be expected to be going okay. End of year awards. I win the most improved basketballer <laughs> again. We get home from the special assembly and Dad says, congratulations, son, good effort. How bloody bad were you at the start? <laughs> He's still improving in year 12. I mean, I don't think anyone ever has gone back-to-back in the most improved category. Back-to-back MVP, back-to-back MIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, that's right. I mean, it's good once. I don't know about twice, but... De- Dan, uh, Dan's taken uh, five for twelve, uh, five for sixteen in an mm. under twelves cricket grand mm, final. Grand final, yeah. uh, yeah, my, my, hat-trick. my yeah. greatest oh, yeah. sporting achievement. Look, I've discovered a few over the years. Yeah. Uh, under nines hurdling, uh, eighty meter champion. Yeah, well I did remember the other day I won the uh, board race in the state nippers uh, at lawn one year for Jan Juck. So I was under mm. ten. I was the only kid with a shitty little foamy. All the other kids had a real fiberglass type mm-hmm. board. Yeah. I was the only one who survived this big dumper that came through. I won the race by about 500 metres because every other kid was still on the shore. So I'm a board champion. That's magnificent. No one knows what board is. Basil, uh, moving on. Now, well done. Fleet Network bringing us the podcast this year. Your first car, can you remember that? Yeah, mum's car. So mum's Toyota Corolla, 1983 Toyota Corolla. Color. And I remember what thinking color? it was a sort of creamy beigey colour. <laughs> and I remember thinking, it, like it felt, I thought, oh, I'm going okay here. And then I, I got to West Perth in 1989 and I was playing, uh, and then I sort of moved up into the league squad by 1990. I'm still driving the uh, 1983 beige Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and one of the league players who I'd sort of looked up to as a kid, he said to me one day, what is that you're still driving out there? You know, <laughs> the you know when the big boys bring you back down to earth pretty quickly? You're yes. thinking, oh, I'm going okay here. I'm up from the Colts in the league squad. And then one of the boys says, that looks disgraceful. Like, no no adult man should be driving that car. <laughs> so the 1983 Toyota Corolla, it was mum's car, and I sort of inherited it. Uh, not a particularly manly car, but hey, got the job done. Okay, well done. Right. So what was life growing up like for Basil Zemplis? Yeah. Was it a sporting one or...? It was special. Uh, Greek family, Greek Australian family, loved it. Always felt loved. Always felt included. There was always stuff going on. A lot of family events, a lot of sport, but a lot of family gatherings where uh, uncles. Everyone was an uncle, of course. Even your cousins who were older. Everyone's, you know, sort of had the title of uncle. And there were a lot of opportunities for uh, some of the people in the family at large family gatherings of fifty or sixty to stand in front of the crowd, and you know, a bit of a Hey, welcome everyone. And I remember as a young kid being enormously impressed by whoever it was that could command the group, sometimes crack a few jokes, and I could see there was a bit of a power or there was a bit of something special in being good enough or confident enough to stand in front of the group 
and be the guy or the person who spoke. And, and I think in all seriousness, the sort of fuse to go off in this direction uh, was lit back then. I thought there was, a, there was a sort of a power or a charm to it that really impressed me. Mm. But sport right through it. A lot of cricket as a kid, a lot of front yard, backyard cricket, junior cricket. I played with Stuart McGill in the Floriet, oh. in the Floriet you play, uh, play, Juniors. Played with Stuart McGill. Stuart McGill, yeah. Is he West Australian? 200 test wickets, went to Floriet wow. Primary and then went to Christchurch. Stuart McGill's West Australian. Yeah, so he played for WA and then because of a uh, very good leg spinner, yes. uh, that, because but because of our wickets over here, often… Your, your tutelage as well. Uh, yeah, it helped a little bit. I was wicket keeper too, so I was keeping to the great Stuart McGill. How did you wow. get down there, Difficult, Basil? with great difficulty. <laughs> but because Stewie, you know, often the four quicks at the Wacker because of the pacey conditions, he went to New South Wales to play more regularly first class huh. cricket. And in actual fact, I mean, you think of his career, 200 wickets, often as the other bowler to SK Warren. Yes. Uh, a remarkable, remarkable career. It's gone off the rails a little bit since then, but hey, it's not how it starts. It's not the middle. It's how it ends, and it hasn't ended yet. So Stewie yep. will be okay. So you play with Stewie McGill growing up. I know. How cool. about that, eh? So, and, and then obviously a lot of junior footy. Uh, Churchlands, Wembley, and then City Beach, Floriet, Hale School, and then West Perth. It's funny you mentioned West Perth. We've got uh, something we do want to show you. It's uh, not connected right here, yeah, Nicholas, right. We'll but uh, wanted to show you a little bit of footage. Perhaps we dug out of the... <laughs> Archive saw you, Baz. Have a look at this for you, mate. Oof. Oh, Great Number freak. one. Number one. Oh, oh look at that he ponytail. He could he? <laughs> Great goal, but even better celebration here, Basil. This is some aggressive oh. high-fiving. <laughs> look out. Knocking him out. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. Uh, so one, the ponytail. Uh, that, that's important to point out, isn't it? Absolutely. Commentate this, Baz. So Zemplis marks, plays on, sees the space and goes. Awkward bounce. <laughs> Even more awkward kick, but from the 50. Oh, what an aggressive and talented mobile big man. Shall I go on? Or yeah, very good. Basil Zemplis, ladies and gentlemen. Kill that, So please. we were last on the ladder. That was my the night of my or the day of my twenty first birthday. Wow! I was playing on David Hines, <laughs> who was a premiership ruckman for the West Coast Eagles. That's right. That was nineteen ninety. That was nineteen ninety two, I reckon. Yes. yes. Uh, and nineteen ninety four, Hines he played for uh, for West Coast in the premiership. But I remember I kicked that goal, and I said something which was so stupid. We were bottom of the ladder, and South Fremantle were top of the ladder. And I said something as I'm high for that awkward high five You're back. You're aggressively, like, even it was my like a teammates punch. sort of getting out of my right. I said something like, "We're not losers anymore." And the bloke next to me from South Fremantle goes, "Nah, but you are." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Todd Curley. I don't know why I remember, but Todd Curley, who played for the Bulldogs, famously ran into the umpire. You might yep. remember, got a yes. six-week suspension, I think, for that. Now coach of South Fremantle, ironically. Yes. And I remember, you know, you know, a line like that, you know it's a decent line, but it's only a really good line if, if it brings your own teammates, you know, brings them. <laughs> and I look sideways and Todd Curley's got this big smile on his face <laughs> laughing at me as well. I go, righto. Okay, yep. One, one South Fremantle, nil Zemplis. So do you know the funny thing is, watching that goal uh, that Nick, our producer, found, outstanding work, production yep. work, Nick. Yep. Uh coming through and ladies and gentlemen if you are listening I do implore you to go to YouTube and just watch the footage of Basil Zemplis with a beautiful lock of hair tied behind I could see having played at the highest level Basil I could see that you were lipping off because I I could just see the aggression in your high fives you were proving something and it comes back to you at the end of this clip and you can clearly say you, you, you saying 
fuck off <laughs> because it's okay basil you can swear uh because well, I like someone's clearly for got, me which is good that's yeah. correct someone's yeah. clearly caught you the loser you yeah. go, no, that was outstanding so do you, do you often take a bounce like that's see a big man take a mark it wasn't a great bounce it was well it called no. within yeah, two meters all, but, went. It, but but i saw the space it did open up there quickly and i don't know why no one was coming near me but it did sort of and then it was a shocking kick off the boot as yeah, well it goes in. but what about the finish you were like it, it went if you kicked it from 50 it went 50.5 yeah, centimeters just and about over backwards. the line it yeah. did yeah it it was, didn't have a lot of penetration yeah, no that's right it was a bit of an scg 50 that one too i reckon so any, anyway it's in the record books correct it's yeah. in the record anyway and so that night we beat so we go on and win that game yes famous win for us yes. under jeff geeshan who coached richmond and then was the umpire's boss and it's my 21st that night at the um, chariot room at the Gloss at Gloucester Park. <laughs> no expense spared by mum and dad. And anyway, so we've had a huge win and uh, a big chunk of my teammates are invited and uh, we go there and it was a really great night. Oh, so good. Uh, uh, maybe that I was, it was the premature celebration for what was to come that night. Correct. I think. Yeah, Just Gloucester. like the big, big pigeon chest bumping <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah, it was awkward. No, not good to look at. So, no. so your West Perth career yeah. spanned over Five years, I believe you played Colts, Colts in '89. Right, um, started like a German band and then broke my leg uh, at about round nine or eleven, and that was to be my pattern. Sadly, then 1990 made my debut round three, two resis games, and then round three split weekend, uh, split Easter weekend at at uh, Bassendine yes, Oval against correct. Swans. You lost. Uh, we lost. Um, we got thumped, but at the end of the game, uh, I got singled out as one of only two players who could hold my head high. Wow. <laughs> Zemplis and Palm, David Palm, who played for Richmond and was captain, you two can hold your heads high. The rest of you... You know, it was one of those sort of speeches from George McCallum. So I felt pretty good about myself. I'll tell you how good it was. When I left the change rooms out the back, Tanya Armstrong from Westside Football was waiting for me to interview me. As in Tanya Armstrong? As in Tanya Armstrong. Media, Fremantle. Yeah, wow. Yes. It was uh, from Westside Football, went to Channel 10 and then uh, worked at all of Fox the networks. And now, yep. And now at Frio, of course. And uh, so that's the sort of debut it was. Given a hiding, uh, but I did play well. And it was it, it actually, in all seriousness, was close to the greatest day of my life because I had barracked for West Perth. Mm. My family had all been involved with West Perth. I spent... The best years of my life as a kid on the banks at Leederville Oval watching West Perth play. And so to make my league debut, to play well, to wear the red and blue, uh, it was brilliant. I thought it doesn't get much better than this. So have a look at your career. As you said, you were, you were injury yeah. prone or yeah. cut down by injury. Yeah. Six games in 1990, one game in 91, 13 in 92. You mm -hmm. had six handover medal votes in that season. Ooh. So that maybe one of those Impact. in that there. Impact. 93. Yeah. You played three games. Yeah. You played in your first final that year. Yeah. You kicked five straight goals in that final. Yes. The following week, week in a prelim, you kicked two. Mm. Your team won mm. into the grand final. You didn't play in the grand final. Why? No, did I kick two in the prelim, did I? I believe so. Yeah, okay. Well, that's interesting. So the five goals, I'm very proud of these five goals, and I ran into one of the one of the Claremont players who was shifted on and then shifted off me by Jared <laughs> Nation because I was in irresistible form in this final. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I played, I played the first game of the year yep. and got injured in a typical pattern. And then my next game back, the Geish takes the punt and brings the big bloke back for the second semi-final. Yes. We play at Subiaco Oval, league headquarters, and Mark Brayshaw, uh, father of all of them, and uh, of course himself, Claremont, and then North Melbourne, 
but he was at Claremont, obviously, at the time. He starts on me, couple early. Taking care of him. Uh, and then Danny Southern, the wild man from the Bulldogs. He hadn't been the wild man at the Bulldogs Young, he yet. was young, Danny young. Southern. He comes on to me. Oh, another couple there. Off he goes. Brayshaw back. Five goals. We lose by about 11 points. Then in the prelim, kicked a couple early, obviously. Please with that. And I did my groin in that game and by about half time and unfortunately wasn't able to play in the grand final. Is that a regret? Uh, it was disappointing. And then next year they uh, went close-ish again and then won in 95. But in 94, I played the first couple of games or a few games, had a job at Channel 7 at that stage. So during that off-season it happened and I had to make the decision, which way am I going to go? And I'd had a – well, I don't need to say anymore. You saw, you saw the tape, boys. So – uh, did I make the right decision or not? I, look, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone more proud of their twenty-five game <laughs> yeah. career in my life. You, every kick. As you should be. Yeah, yeah. correct. You kicked. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Twenty-five goals, three throughout your career. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, but they were pretty close. Uh, probably. Mate, yeah, no, that was take good. A, take a win when yeah. you can, Basil. That was good. Maybe not all of the points are registered there. Or there was a few straight <laughs> out, out of bounds. But you, Scoey, you like this. So. There was a development program at West Coast at the time and players from the Waffle would be invited. I, a couple of times was invited. Yes. And I remember doing some one-on-one with Ryan Turnbull under the watchful eye of Mick Moltas. There was Waffle players invited and um, the current Eagles squad. Uh, just the injuries, I, I was a bit unlucky. I had been spoken to by quite a number of clubs. Um, you can see the sort of player that I might have been. I was, I, I would have clunked a couple in the forward line. I would have rucked a little bit. I would have got injured and I would have played 20 or 30 games at an AFL club and not gone much further. So I'm glad you haven't said it because I wanted to be the one. So a little mouse told me today mm. uh, on the phone mm. that Mick Malthouse. Not the mouse. Just a mouse. Right. I don't know how many mouse you know, but <laughs> it's the mouse. That's correct. He's everywhere. Though. He, he tells me uh, that. Mick Malthouse, mm. verbatim, mm. said we were drafting Basil Zemplis yeah. before he got a big injury, thanks to Stephen Hooper. I think so. Look, I, I think I was uh, I was on a few people's lists. I know that when the Geese had gone to another club, um, he'd gone to Geelong, and they had a bit of a look at me. And then Fremantle. So I was. This was odd. Uh, I'd started 1994. I was working at Channel Seven. I started that season playing in the Waffle but had to stop by about round seven or eight. I couldn't combine the two. It was too difficult. Um, and I quit. And then that was the year that Frio were announced during 94 to start in 95. And as I was going down to Fremantle to interview David Hatt, who was the CEO, and Jared McNeil, Jared Neesham had been appointed the coach. He'd coached against me in some of those games. And they said, listen, we're putting our initial training squad together. Didn't mean I was on the list, yeah. but they were putting a, about a squad of 50 together to train. Shawnee Mack's spoken yeah, about that's this. Right. We've yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, it, and it I, and they said, we want you to be one of those players. And I, I, I said, but how am I going to do that? And I'm working at Channel 7. And I think by that stage, I'd sort of been around committee and the others. And I'd sort of thought, no, this is where I've got to stay. Right. I was flattered by it. I didn't properly understand what it was going to mean. But I, I did have some opportunities. I would have loved to have played, you know, just played a few games to have done it. And it would have been useful. But I must say, as I as my career went on, just having played some waffle footy, I remember Dennis introducing me to Lee Matthews one day at the MCG. I wasn't a commentator then. I was obviously just over doing some news. And Dennis said, come up to the box. And said, uh, Lee, this is Basil Zemplis. He works as a sports reporter for Seven in Perth. And, you know, Lee sort of, okay, how are you going? And, and then uh, after a pause, uh, Dan says, 
Basil was a very good footballer. He was vice captain of West Perth. Uh, da 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 da. And I remember Lee just sort of looking at me in, in that moment, ever so slightly differently, mm. because I'd been a part of the footy system. And mm. I remember thinking, how wonderful to have been able to play at a great club, a club that I barracked for, to have two good coaches, George McCalgic and, and Jeff Geeshan, and I'm still very close to both of them, actually. And uh, it's just wonderful to have been a part of. That's an interesting mm. concept, that one, that I don't battle with. I don't, Frankly, I don't really care. But <laughs> the, the, the ex-footballer into media yeah. or the, the media fraternity and, the, and the, you know, the experience within the game. Yeah. It's okay. So, Basil, you don't play any footy and mm. you come straight out of media school. Yeah. Is, do you think... In the media side of things, in your experience, mm. like is does that exist? Like, oh well, uh, either you got to have played the game to know what you're talking about, yeah. or, or vice versa. No, like, oh, he's just a he's just an ex player. No, like, not really. Whatever. I don't think, and I, I don't think so because there are there are clearly defined roles in sports coverage in Australia. Mm. There is the caller, certainly in AFL. There is the play by play guy. That guy may have played footy at whatever level. Um, or he might not have even played footy. I mean, typically they've always played it at school or somewhere. And there's the experts. Mm. And then there are the supplementary people who might be on the boundary or in the rooms or those sorts of things. And I think we all know the defined roles here. The caller typically is a caller. Some of them have played footy at a pretty high level. And I think Lee Montagna is doing a really good job at the moment. Yep. Uh, um, uh, Dwayne Russell. Carl Langdon. Carl Langdon. And Dennis had obviously played and coached at West Perth. Yeah, um, I'd played some waffle footy. But Adam Papalia wasn't a waffle or AFL player, but geez, he's a very, very fine mm. commentator. Bruce McAvaney. I mean, anyone going to throw Bruce <laughs> back into the pack because he hadn't played at Nor Norwood or Sturt? No. I think he did play Colts, by the way. Um, so, um, So I think that role, you can have come from any background. And yeah. as, if you're a good enough caller, you're a good enough caller. The expert, I think we do expect that they... Well, the public seem to want them to have played the game. Yes. And, and I think that's fair enough. Um, and now, as it turns out, with Daisy and others, well, yeah, playing the game can mean playing AFLW or playing AFL. Mm. And in a sense, I think what Daisy's probably done is suggest to us that a good analyst is a good analyst. Um, now, yes, AFLW is AFLW. It's the highest level that women can play at, but it's not AFL. Mm. And so this idea that um, actually you need to have played the game to be able to tell me what I've just seen with any authority, I think we understand now is probably not necessarily true, but it's what we want. Yeah, yeah. It's what we want. Very well wrapped. Yes, very nice, Thank Basil. Um, thanks, Basil. Thank now, I've got an idea, by the way. Hey. Oh, so boy. in the Melbourne Cup, yeah. right? There you go. and I've thought this for a long time, I presented five Melbourne Cups. I was the Perth boy who presented five Melbourne Cups. I was very proud of that. What do you so, mean? Well, Seven had the um, horse racing for, uh, for a five-year period, right. and I was the MC of the presentation. Sandy had done it for many years, Sandy Roberts previously. Sandy went to Fox. And I snuck in there as the Perth boy who would MC the presentations so of the Melbourne Cup. given the cup to Yeah, the... well, I'm sort of, you know, I'm the bloke that calls the guy forward who then calls it and hands it right. over. But in, in my time, uh, um, in my time, uh, Michelle Payne's famous victory, one of the five that I did. Anyway, leaving that to one side. So <laughs> back to the commentator and the expert, right? Yes. So cricket. Cricket, you do a bit of both. But now they've kind of gone to caller and experts. Yes. Uh, why is that? Why is... Horse racing, yes. the longer races, 3,200 metres, right? We know how long. Why don't we, after the start, why doesn't uh, Darren McCauley or um, uh, um, the man who does it so brilliantly in I'm Melbourne. I'm not going to be able to help you, and, but uh, another race callers. Uh, yep. It'll come to me in just uh, – Matt Hill. Yes. Um, why doesn't Matt call the start, tap Damien Oliver 
on the shoulder. Damien gives five or ten seconds of how they've settled, what's happened, who jumped well, who didn't. Why doesn't Matt Hill then take it for another 200 or so metres? Another little tap to... It seems to me horse racing is the one spot where we haven't got the Australian sporting style of commentary uh, fully explored. I think you can have an expert mid-race is what I'm saying. So... We've only just started doing that. Uh, this TV is going to go to standby mode in 53 seconds oh. if we don't touch a button. Right. Now, I'll touch a button. I think what you're talking about mm. in perhaps a sport that you're, you are versed in commentating, yes. swimming, yes. That's, we just, we, I think we saw that for the first time with Ian Thorpe yeah. in the, the last yeah. Olympics. Yeah. Because before that, it was... No, they were there, maybe the way we're using it. And certainly, what, what I think one of the things Thorpe did was take the analysis of racing post-race or before mm. the race on that on the mega walls that were mm. available. He took it to a new level. On the shorter races, so on the 50s, didn't it's used to 20, let Thorpe, be, let Thorpe leave it with me, please, here, mate. I'll take care of this. And no matter how many gold medals you've won, I'll just handle this. Um, but on the longer races, clearly the experts come in. And on swimming, so 100 up and back, I would call the start. Thorpe, a comment on the turn, maybe a little bit longer. I'd pick him up at about, um, you know, 60 at the 60-metre mark, back in for Thorpey, halfway down the pool the last time, and then by 15 metres it needed to be back to me mm. for whatever gold I was coming up with. Um, so, so there was a rhythm. There was a rhythm to those. But I, So you compare a 100-metre race in the pool yes. to the 3,200 uh, metres, which takes, what, three and a half minutes or something on the track? Yes. So how is there not... Room it for is, an expert commentator. It is a bit boring horse race, and plus, like especially if you're just watching, in they're all in a pack. Like you don't mm. really like they're, they're calling out names mm. and, and stuff. You can't really mm. see what's going on. Yeah, and I, I guess that would be a good call uh, to have an expert. It just explain. seems to me it's the one place that we don't call Aussie sport the way we normally call Aussie sport, which is caller and expert. And I, I I'd love to see somebody give that a go. And you know, Damien Oliver. Perfect example of somebody that could do it. You've got to be really good. So not only do you have to have the great knowledge in mm. those roles, you've got to know I've only got 10 or 15 seconds here. I've got to get the words right. I've got to say it quick. And the caller relies on the expert to fill that little window only. If they go a bit long, it can, it, it can start to get a bit uh, tattered. So it is a very important relationship, that. So we're starting to get into media land. And, mm. yeah, so your waffle career uh, – Torn tragically short. Yeah. Um, 24. Was it 24? I think it was 25, actually, Basil. It might have been 24. Might be one bonus game. Um, so, you know, did you always want to go into media? Like, it sounds like a little bit, but it also sounds like you were enjoying your footy and making it. I love footy. I wanted to keep going. I was really sad. I remember having, I remember I'd made the decision in my mind that I couldn't do both. So I'd been at seven, maybe four or five months. Yes. And it was clear that the weekend work was an important part of it. And I, I knew I'd had such a great opportunity getting in at only 22. I'd studied journalism at uni. Yep. Um, and so I'd come through that path, got an opportunity to, incredibly to get a job as a final year cadet at Channel 7, tried to combine the both. They said at first, oh, you'd probably be able to do it, give it a go. And then it was clear to me if I was going to really make the most of the opportunity at 7, I was going to have to give the waffle away. It was only 22 though. I wasn't ready to give it away. I loved it. It had been what I'd wanted to do all my life. And I did think I could get onto an AFL list. I could have. Yeah. I, I would have, I think, had I had an injury-interrupted season. As I say, I wouldn't have been a star, but I would have played a few games. would have been nice to have in the bank. But it was clear to me I had to go the other path. And driving to that training session where I was going to have to go and tell Jeff Geeshan, I, was, I remember you know, my eyes had welled up because I knew that I was saying 
it was the end of that part of your career. And then I often say to people, past players, uh, who are coming into the commentary box, I said, I'll tell you what, you know, this isn't what you've done, um, but it's about the closest thing you'll get. Mm. And you are in the game. You, you're, it's physical. It's emotional. You get up. You get down. You get some great games. You get some terrible games. You get some good performances. You get some games when you're driving home and you think, jeepers, I better go again. I, I, you know, I've got to do extra work. Um, and so it is, it is the closest thing to playing the game. And I haven't coached, so maybe that is, maybe it isn't. But in, a, in an all-care, no-responsibility sense, it's brilliant. And I remember having this conversation with JL as he was about, you know, he'd come off that turmoil of losing his job. And I said, mate, you've just picked up the gig with Seven. I said, in a few months when I see you, you're going to say to me, this is the greatest thing in the world. Because I said, for you as a cricketer, it will be all of the things that you loved about cricket without the playing, the camaraderie, the teammates, all of those guys. You yes. hang around the back of the box, you chat. I said, but you can go home at 6.30, go and have a wine, go and have a pizza, go and do whatever. No care about how you, you know, I was out for a day. And uh, sure enough, he said, I can't believe how good it is. Yeah, right. you know, and it is brilliant. It is brilliant being a part of that team and, you know, making the seven commentary team, if you like. And a boy from Perth, thank goodness, Kometi had sort of trod that path and it meant others could. Yes. And so I've been a beneficiary, Skeet, Goss, Adam, now, mm. Pav, yourself. You know, all of that sort of, uh, all of us that have had a crack at it, it's been because Dennis showed that a guy from Perth could do it. And um, I loved it, albeit I loved footy as well playing, and I was sad to give it away. Let's stay on Dennis. I yeah. want to show you some footage of something again from the archives, but I think given uh, Dennis's journey, even just you speaking about, we've had Dennis on, mm. on this show and, and, and speaking about his football career and, and the start of his career, it's, there's some similarities between mm. yourself and him. And um, I've heard you speak before about you know him being somewhat of a mentor mm. to you. Can you speak about that yeah. and... Maybe a story about Dennis that we might not know. Or... Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing you might not know. So Den played. Den was a very talented footballer at West Perth. He played under Polly Farmer, and um, Den was very close to his dad. He was an only child. And uh, one day, Thursday night training at Leadable Oval, West Perth's former home ground, a police officer turns up on the boundary line, and a club official is with the police officer, and boys being boys. Uh, looking over to the boundary line, they see the police officer starting to walk out with his club official. Oh, someone's in trouble. <laughs> What's happened? Now, this is not widely known. The police officer was coming out to ask if he could speak to Dennis Cometti. And they grab Dennis Cometti and pulls him to one side and says, Dennis, I'm sorry, I've got sad news. Your dad's just died. Right. Dennis was out on the track on a Thursday at Leaderville Oval playing for West Perth. And Dan said to me that football was never the same for him again. Mm, wow. And look, we all know what it's like playing. I know it's not the Dennis story you were expecting in a sense, but no. we know what it's like playing and knowing your mum and dad are in the stands or, or that person is in the stands. And he said to me that footy was never quite the same for me again. But he did say to he said, oh, mum wasn't, you know, mum was happy that I was doing well. And knew because people would mention, oh, your name's Kometi, you related to Dennis. You know, she knew it was a big thing that I was doing, but she didn't really understand it. He said, my dad would have been so proud of me and the career that I had post-footy playing in commentary. And and I, I mentioned that because in a way, I think you could, we, we all, under, could you imagine what that would have felt like? Yeah. And uh, that profound impact. Uh, 
And Dan had a huge impact on me. He was very supportive. He was a great friend. And in the end, we traveled a lot together. The greatest nights of my life, when I did, uh, for a period there, I, did, I started in 2012, Dan retired in 2016. And so for those years, there's about five of them, I was traveling to Melbourne and doing you know, the game two or game three. Uh, by the end of that period, I was doing Saturday night footy. Um, but while Den was still calling, I was doing Saturday afternoons. Saturday night, we would uh, Saturday afternoon, he would call the game at the MCG or, or Eddie had as it was then for 3AW and I would call it for seven. We'd ride to the game together, ride back to the game together and then go for dinner together. They were the greatest days of my life. Just me and the great man in Melbourne having dinner, talking rubbish, talking about footy. Uh, seeing people come up to Dan in Melbourne in awe of him over there. And I remember thinking, you know, this is the greatest. I will reflect on that time forever as being amongst the most special times in my life. What made him a great commentator? Uh, Well, he did an incredible amount of research and work. And uh, that, you'll never, ever not be able to do that and be good. Yeah, you've just got to put the work in. But he was also the most naturally brilliant and talented commentator you could get. So what a combination. He put in all the work and he was naturally brilliant, talented, funny Mm. and had a feel for the game. Perfect combination. And the other guy that's like that, and I used to say this to Den, the other guy that's like that but in two totally different ways. He did all the hard work in a totally different way. Didn't do – Den – and Bruce, who I'm talking about, their, their homework and preparation were entirely different. Uh, and the natural flair was entirely different. Dennis was that metronome, the tick, 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 the beautiful smooth voice, rise when the big moment. Bruce was a million miles an hour all the time. <laughs> Everything was up, go, go, fast, stop, go, fast. Um, totally different commentary style. And then you get those two together in the commentary box on Friday nights for a period of five years. And for people like us, yep. what a, the, I mean, Hardo, magnificent. Dwayne, magnificent. Paps, magnificent. This crop, brilliant. Brilliant. But we will never, ever get two so brilliant and so talented but with such different styles together again like that. We were all blessed to have those years. It's a great yeah, show. It's elite. Yeah. What yeah. did you sort of learn from Dennis um, in that preparation stuff? Because I've seen commentators with their books and, you know, their mm. fine writing and it's yeah. all – what sort of stuff did you pull from him for yeah, your prep? And, and it's funny. So Dan showed me what he used to do. Sometimes you could over-prepare. Sometimes you could under-prepare. I think the thing that's most important, and he's, you know, know the players. If you know the players, everything else sort of flows from there. Dan also had his humour and had his, um, you know, obviously the comedyisms as they became known. <laughs> There's a book. There's a book yeah. here somewhere. We've got and funny because Dan wasn't especially, like Dan almost got a bit shy about those. Like he liked them in the moment because obviously he put some work into them. But he was almost a bit, like by the end, and I know he said, and this is something that would not be as immediately obvious. So everybody that lauded Dan thought the brilliant lines were brilliant, Right. Dan, I think, was almost a bit worried that have I made this almost a parody? Is, is, is that what I'm going to be remembered for? But, of course, us mere mortal football fans, we just loved the whole package, didn't mm. we? That was yeah. the cream on the top. He had the beautiful voice and that was the other part of it. Uh, he'd done all the homework. He had the feel for the game. He called the big moments so well and he had those brilliant lines. Um, but Dan was a little bit worried. I'll tell you something else about the two. So on and off for 25 years, Dan and Bruce stayed – at the Grand Hyatt in Melbourne, Collins Street, 
from Friday to Sunday, almost every weekend for 30 weeks of the year. Do you know in 30 years of staying at the same hotel, almost every weekend, I, I said to Den early doors when I was starting to travel with him, I said, Bruce would be there, you know, and Lee. So that was the seven-team hotel. Um, so all the guys that were travelling would stay there. Um, but honing in on Bruce, because they were the callers, they had the rhythm together, they had the great connection. Now, how often do you catch up with um, Bruce for breakfast? Oh, you know, this is about the 26-year mark at this stage when I asked the question. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, we had breakfast once. Yeah, yeah, we had breakfast once. Okay, oh, well, yeah, how often do you catch up for dinner? Um, yeah, uh, Annie was over, Bruce's wife, and V was here once, and um, yeah, we, we had dinner once. I said, oh, well, you meet in the lounge. No, not really. And and that was part of the strength of their relationship. And I would watch them because I was often riding with Den, would go to Friday night games because I was calling the next day, might just go with him. And so they operated entirely separately to one another. They 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 rarely they did speak during the week from time to time, yes. but they weren't talking to each other every week. Oh, that was great call, then good stuff. Oh, that was brilliant. I loved it when you said that. Oh, you too, Bruce. When you got when you call, you know, there was none of that with best them. friends. They they would come together on match day and be incredibly brilliant and natural together. And then and and here's the other thing. So they both stayed at the Grand Hyatt. It's a seven and a half minute drive. Uh, maybe in traffic, it's fifteen minutes on a Friday night. They would have their own drivers. They would go at separate times, they would arrive separately, and they would leave separately. And maybe, maybe that was the great uh, secret or strength of their relationship. They, they loved and respected one another, but they weren't in each other's pockets. And I tell you, speaking of great days of my life, late last year, Bruce messaged me, said, I'm coming to town. Can you organise Den? Like, you know, funny, I was almost there. Can you organise Den? Let's go for lunch. <laughs> text it. Yeah. Well, no, he did, but, I, you know, can you organise Den, knowing that probably I'd make it happen? And, um, yes, and we had lunch at a restaurant in the city and for two or three hours, I like, you know, again. So this is the two great men back together. Some reminiscing. I was lucky to have been on the journey with them at the tennis and the footy. And so I'm a bit part of it, but not one of them, if you know what I mean. I yes. am, but I'm not and would never pretend to be. And I remember posting a photo on Instagram or Twitter that night. It was the three of us. And I think it was sitting at the table. Let's go. You'd know this. Uh, anyone in our profiles knows it. Feedback comes thick and fast on social media. We, yes. love, we love the good and the bad. Correct. And uh, in the spaces that I've entered into... There's a lot of it that's on the negative side. No problem for me. I can handle it all. But I reckon uh, of my of my posts over the last five years, uh, that photo with you know some little line that I wrote. What a catch up this was today. You know, the most hits I've had in a year, and every single comment was to the effect of the great men back together. Wow, would I what what I would have given to be sitting at that table just listening to those two talk and. You know, we are blessed to have had those two together for as long as we did in the one commentary box. Did they just talk about what do they talk about? They take us, take us to the table. Talking. They're just yeah. eating. No, no. So they, <laughs> no did, they would talk about footy. They talked about the old times. They talked about some of the bosses, Great. some of the fun, some of the moments. Um, and they talked, they didn't, though. They don't go, oh, Bruce, what yeah, about yeah. that time that um, reminiscing? No, no, so they don't go down that yes. path. Bit of Olympics talk. They both did Olympics. Dan was calling uh, the swimming. Yes. Bruce obviously track and field. So they had 
comparable nights. They had very different views on the Olympics. So Bruce absolutely loved the Olympics. Loved it. Dan's view, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, Dan. Dan, you know, quietly amongst the footy crew would say, you know, the Olympics, uh, that's for the guys that couldn't make the footy team. Um, and, <laughs> yes, and, 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 a Dennis Gavetti impersonation. And, and he did sort of mean that. Uh, you know, the guys that did uh, track and field at high school were the guys that yeah. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't make it into Senau Fort. I uh, know that's not, not really what he thought, but that was his view on the Olympics. He enjoyed it. He knew it was a huge honour particularly calling the swimming Perkins unbelievable. Uh, Susie O'Neill, Thorpe, uh, smashing him like guitars. All of those were Dan's. And I was very lucky to sort of end up in the swimming for two Olympic Games. Um, But Bruce revered it. For Dan, it was uh, hard work because it's not my normal thing and I've got to get (laughs) up and I've got to get it right and I don't want to stuff it up. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. We skipped over this, uh, Basil. I want to show you a piece of vision. Um, again, from the archives, uh, talking about coming from footy mm. into media. Um, look, I'm a Victorian boy, so mm. I wasn't here uh, to witness this greatness, but I oh, wanted to show you something and just go. maybe have a little look at this <laughs> from the archives. Good opener. <laughs> what have we got here? This is quite good graphics, isn't it, from back in the day? You do need to watch. This is Basil's yeah. footy show. Glass smash. Wow. Here he comes. Slim Jim and the Fat. Slim Jim. And the, <laughs> this is what, what was the oh. one on Fox that was doing the oh um, best on ground. You've got the you've got the fans here. It's not a Fremantle fan inside. We're ahead of our time. What I want to I want to see when Basil comes to the here stage. Here. Wow! Hey, I didn't walk out. The top button done up. Looking Shoot. very nice. Bit of wax through the hair there, Basil. Bit awkward. This. So this is Basil's Amplis uh, on the. Basil's yeah. Footy Show. So Sundays, Sundays we used to do a local footy show. Uh, that would have been circa 99 or 2000, I reckon. I think maybe. somewhere there, yeah. yes. Uh, and um, so we would have the local panel. A little bit, I sub- so the Nines Footy Show was big. It was a bit of a rip-off of Nines Footy Show, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yes. uh, and I was just using it as a vehicle to pump myself up and take my career as far as I could. Um, but, uh, Please, you're honest. Uh, Maney, Barra. Uh, Carl Langdon, Scotty Waters, Peter Wilson, Craig Peter Wilson. Turley yeah. were on there. So uh, they were the regular did, did you, panelists. Did you not want to have any Fremantle players on, Baz? Well, Scott, oh, Scott Waters. So. Scotty was, yeah. <laughs> so, there weren't as many to sort of choose from. Oh. Uh, Shawnee, Mac, Shawnee Mac was uh, a regular as well. And um, so it would wrap around the local games, um, often would run between five and six o'clock. So the local game on a Sunday afternoon would finish at five. And then we'd be in that hour after the footy and before the news. And we would have big, big ratings in Perth back in those days. But it was brilliant. It was little, great fun. A little mouse told me that it was probably the highest ranking show in, in, in Perth on a, on, on a Sunday. Well, my, 
look, it, like we did it. No, we did Sunday at eleven <laughs> on seven. We did have a big. No, we, we did have a big audience, and in those days there was no Fox. No, and so it was all free to air audience, and the Eagles and the Dockers were absolutely massive. It, it was not a, off into uncharted territory where everything's on TV. All the sports were so a huge concentration on footy, and no, it did have great numbers. And look, all of those things. I mean. Uh, you know, to get the opportunity to do that sort of stuff, it was I – mean, how lucky can you be? Yeah. You know, how, how lucky. And I loved it. It was good fun. And people still mention Basil's footy show to me. And I'm, like that little kid that we just saw in the opener, sometimes I get people say, oh, I, I won the meat tray or I won the, um, <laughs> the meat tray. I won the footy on Basil's footy show. Um, well, because like, like Lou's handball, iconic. Yeah, and correct. I was thinking, yeah. so, so it was the – We had picked the nose. I was going to say. Pick the your, nose. Your nose? Or? Yeah. So, again, it was all ripped off Channel 9's footy show. <laughs> we did our own versions. And so we had this wheel where you had to spin the wheel and then it would draw someone out of the audience or something stupid like that. And then we had a giant nose that had nostril hairs. And what you would do, so the person from the audience would come out and pull the nostril hair out and then depending on what number was on the nostril hair, uh, they would win that corresponding prize. So like some sort of sick version of prices, right? <laughs> yeah, it was that sort of, we were ahead of our time. And to be honest, I, I really did think I was heading into the um, Tonight Show hosting business. That's where I was trying to get to. Right. And so I tailored a Sunday afternoon footy show. To, I mean, who else has got a band on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> yeah. doing an opener like that? It's quite good. No, thank you. Um, and they have it named after you as well. I was going to say, who, who was involved deal. with, was it just you who was na- naming that show? Yeah. Or was there someone else? Well, so I feel what, like there's not a crap, lot of like creativity going uh, on. No, well, what had been footage. the benefit? So Neil Brooks, who was an Olympic swimmer who'd presented sport on seven in Perth and then went to Sydney to present over there. He had a version of this show and it's called Brooksy's Footy Show. So uh, when the uh, powers that be were talking to me about the name, I said, well, there's only one thing we can do here. Save money on the B as well. You don't have to change the uh, big letter. Uh, and, uh, so that's how I managed to... Con people. That's into, shit house, Basil. Oh, no, <laughs> that is shit house. Also, the suit was quite large. Yeah, big. That. But that was the fashion back then. Yeah. I, yeah. Hope. I hope. Beige what? and big. I hope. <laughs> Mate, well, talking about fashion, and I didn't know where to squeeze this in, but I feel like this might be the only place. Segway. Good segue. Yeah, nice little segue. <laughs> yeah. At some point in time in, in your career, you've been yeah. in the top 50 uh, Bachelors of the Year, Cleo's Bachelor of the Year, haven't you? Yeah. 2004, I believe. Yeah. Now the Does that real, sound right? The absolute truth to these things now, now that I'm a sort of more mature man, is – Really, those lists were only about the strength of the publicity department at the organisation that you were working at. Right, so well, you, maybe there was one or two really good-looking dudes. So were you put forward to that? I right? think that's how it used to work. Did you put yourself forward? Well, I might have suggested to the publicist <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> always, because when we were young, Dan, like oh, that was a thing. Like It was like, oh, who's in the top 50 this year? Yeah, like, it no, was, it was a big thing, wasn't I it? I didn't go running to see who's the Clio's top 50 bachelors in Australia. So I was actually in it twice, believe it or not. <laughs> I think what had happened was, I think what happened was, this this would be absolutely deadly true. I think the publicist at Channel Seven Perth changed, <laughs> so when the new one comes in, I go, hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I see they do those Clio fifty eligible bachelors. And, yeah, you know, if you wanted to put my name for it, I suppose, you know, she not knowing that the I'd already had a crack. So in my so Scott Miller was an Olympic silver medalist in butterfly. Remember Scott Miller? Uh, he won one year that I was a nominee, and the other year was Ryan Phelan, who was a oh, I know Ryan Channel Phelan. Ten, Channel Seven Comedian. sport. Yep, and he yeah. now does. Um, he now hosts the Trots on. Um, I think on 
uh, Sky and right. was it Seven for a long time? And so, um, I, yeah, uh, I didn't get close, a, didn't deserve to get close. Uh, and how audacious me even considering that a bloke that looks like this would put themselves forward. But <laughs> it doesn't surprise me no, that you put they, yourself they, forward. I was though. a confident player, Scully, right. a confident player. Fair, fair. Well, we've, we've had a little bit of experience now of like, People, you know, getting um, doing media awards and stuff like that. Yes. With all these things, you have to put yourself forward. Like, there's this idea, I think, to the general public that, you know, a media award, award or an award is just given based on merit. No, no. It's all based on you putting yourself forward yeah. and having a good application. Yeah. So, yeah, right. yeah we would yeah. often say, actually, in journalism and media awards in particular, if you wanted to set in, in January, if you wanted to sit down, look at all of the categories of awards that existed and say, right, I'm going to win five of these, you could. Because some of the categories are quite obscure. You've been to the um, to our the WA Media Guild Awards, yes, and well, not obscure, but you know, there's the waffle, uh, there's the waffle award, photo for of the year, photo of the year, the waffle photo of the year, yes. and the AFL photo of the year. I mean, if you wanted to set yourself for the waffle photo of the year, you probably could. Yeah, work hard, go down, and go and sit at the, the waffle, photo. and just keep taking photos. <laughs> You're not going to have a lot to beat because of, uh, there's the umpiring, or you know, the yes. uh, the story that promotes umpiring. Yes. Yeah. Well, again. That's not a hotly contested category. <laughs> so I reckon if you set your mind on winning that award... Have you, you won that? Uh, I didn't know because oh. I didn't set my mind. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but a two-time Christian medalist. Um, so, you know... Again, have to put yourself forward for it. Uh, did, did you bring them along? Think do you what, wear them no, around? So I, think, so I think what you needed to do for the Christian award, you needed somebody from your own camp going along to the judging pushing. So to be I've a heard that. group judging. So Barra and I would wax. Go, right, Barra... Um, <laughs> This Barra. is fucking debaucherous. <laughs> yeah. Barra, uh, you won last year. You're going this year. Go and, go and stump for me. And, and Goss would be there representing 10. Or if Goss wanted to win that year, Lockie would be there. Uh, Tomo from nine it's would be good. there pushing for Skeet. Or Skeet would be there pushing for Tomo. I've heard this Tomo. from – this isn't just a – this yeah. isn't you revealing this. I've heard this no, from this multiple is, sources. It's the absolute truth. Um, the sports editor of the West would be there pushing for Duff or whoever it might have been. Ryan Daniels. Uh, yeah, Ryan – uh, and um, whoever, Clint Wilden will be there pushing for... ABC. Uh, Dan yeah, Const, exactly, maybe. Correct. Mm. Yep. So, and that, and ultimately you'd have to sort of just win the way to numbers in the room. Uh, so, uh, Barrow won a couple of times. I won a couple. Ryan's pants to stay since. Ryan's... Yeah. Uh, I asked Ryan this year. I said, how many is that, Ryan? And he said, well, if anyone was counting, it's three. Wow. And uh, so, Ryan's got three. I had a couple. Barra had a couple in his day. So, you know, we did okay. So Ryan's taking your job right in the um, sport. Yep, doing it very well. At his, at his and got more Christian medals. That's right. But he hasn't been Lord Mayor. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the thing with the... um, with the, call any Olympic swimming finals okay, either. Okay, yeah. okay, with the Lord Mayor, though, this, it's, what I found interesting about Lord Mayor, we're not going to get into politics. No, I just course. want to say one thing. But yeah. the, the, num the number of votes required to become... Not a lot. Man, not a lot. No, no not Surprised a lot. by that. However... Tell uh, you what. Hang on. The system it is sounds the system. political. I mean, how many votes do you need to become club captain? That's a very good point. You know, yeah. is, what is it? If there's mate, not many because does every the, player the, vote? Yeah, but they don't. They don't look at it. They, they've already made their minds oh, up. Right, but is that uh, what the Perth I learned, is, uh, is the I learned probably the X Man uh, Xavier Xavier Xavier. Yeah. Ellis. I think the X Man probably really gave me an understanding. Of this reckons that Bunga Hearn was a good a good campaigner. So mm. we have. Sorry, not on this show. We having Shannon Hearn this year at some point, but he. There was five of them up mm. for West Coast uh, captaincy in 2014. Mm. Darren Glass stepped down half of the way through the year. Yeah. And there was himself, Matt Prudis, Bo Waters, mm. Josh Kennedy, yeah. uh, Scott Selwood, right, Eric yeah. McKenzie, yeah. someone yeah. on six. Yeah. It was like it was like a political yeah. campaign. And There's suddenly 
Um, there's a dinner on it, Shannon Hearn's yeah. house. Yeah. The first to third year players yeah. are all invited. That's how the X-Man told the story. The steaks are there. Yeah. There's, there's lobsters Brilliant. being served. <laughs> Sorry, what's going on here? Yeah, no, no, that's exactly right. So, no, not a lot of votes required in the Lord no. Merrill election, but you've still got to get more than the next person. It's true. And first time I ran, there were seven of us. No, that's all right. So that you've done, here. You've done here. Stop. Now, you mentioned the Olympics. Really mm. keen to speak about this part of your, your media career. Mm. Um, yeah, clearly aligned with Channel 7 and had mm. the ability to call Olympics. Have you done – you've been involved in nine Olympic games, so winter and summer? Yeah, yeah. Very right? lucky. Um, obviously uh, – so my first was Sydney and my last was Tokyo – uh, Tokyo 2020, which was in 2021. What a contrast. So Sydney was in Sydney. Mm. Um, I didn't call track and field, obviously. Bruce did that. But I was there the night that Cathy Freeman won. In the uh, media box or watching as a fan? Just got in to the stands with the media pass. But oh. just, man, like with high demand. You needed a second ticket. Didn't have the second ticket. Just got my way out. through. Yeah, <laughs> somehow. Um, and then 2021, which is probably personally my best Olympics, we won nine gold medals in eight days. Like... You know, Dan, Dan had four or five over... Oh, no, Dan, because well, he had Sydney where they, they won a lot. But nine in one day, hmm. uh, in, in one game is incredible. But that was in a, uh, that was in a donger, if you like, uh, in a car park in Melbourne, in the yep. middle of COVID, sitting next to Thorpey and Liesl Jones. Um, but, you know, our most successful, equal most successful... Well, our equal most successful games and in the pool our most successful. Oh, yeah. Before we go into detail about a few of them, I was going to ask you about the atmosphere. So you worked at Sydney. You called it Athens where there, it was an open pool deck. Yeah, open pool. Uh, I didn't do swimming. Yeah, right. Bruce, so interestingly, Dennis, Bruce did both in Athens. The most, her now that I understood it, once I'd done swimming, the most Herculean performance in Australian broadcasting history so did swimming to, do, to do swimming for the first six, seven days crossover days with track and field where I think he might have done a couple of sessions of both and then do track and field. Unbelievable. I've heard he puts himself into some sort of personal bunker and just yeah. doesn't speak for yeah. months leading into Olympics. Yeah, and, and trains hard and researches his backside off yeah. uh, and then turns up and you think he just knows this stuff and he's incredibly <laughs> natural. I mean, he's a freak. So so what was the atmospherically mm. the, the best Olympics? Like, what, was yeah. it Sydney? Because uh, Rio, So Rio, uh, that was an open... Pool in Rio, that was amazing. Sydney was an incredible atmosphere. Athens for me as a Greek Australian to be back home in that country and in that environment was very special. Winter Olympics are incredible. They're smaller, so they're a bit more camaraderie. At the Summer Olympics, you don't see anyone else other than your own little team because you're so busy, so flat out, so many people. You've just got no time for anything other than your own bubble. At the Winter Olympics, there's a bit more downtime. You see a few more of your teammates, and that's great fun. Um uh, they're all quite exotic. Salt Lake in the US, Torino in Italy, um, one off the tube, uh, Pyeongchang, um, and one other somewhere else. Russia? Uh, that was, Sochi? No, we didn't have Sochi, but I did do a World Swimming Championships in Russia. And then the, and then the last Olympics, Tokyo, calling that in the not at the pool because of COVID, uh, that was different. But once the races are on, it's actually no different. And in fact, it might even be in swimming a tiny bit easier. Wow. There's not much that you don't see on the monitors yeah. that you would see at the pool. It's a closed. <clears throat> yeah, and they don't change lanes. So you know, yes. and they got hats on. Yes. They're swimming caps. <laughs> They're pretty handy. Um, Good point. You know, so you should be okay. Um, there's a famous call. 
from a Canadian, uh, you know, anyone who's done this job, Scar, you've done it a bit. So you, you don't, you get no pleasure out of this. None. In fact, it makes you feel sick. But at the Rio Olympics, he called uh, Lane Four, um, the guy beating Michael Phelps. Couldn't believe it. Da da da. Something like that. Might have even thought it was a Canadian. He was a Canadian broadcaster. He calls the race. Uh, it's a huge upset or whatever the circumstances were, the race ends and then someone taps him on the shoulder and says, mate, you've got lane four and five. It was, it was felt 2-1 or something like that. Something like oh, that. And to be honest, that makes me feel so when that, when that chatter goes around the pool deck, right, you don't, as a broadcaster, you don't want to look at it. You take no joy from it. You feel sick for the guy because you know you can be a, a moment away from a mistake like that and, you know, a bit of luck, a bit of whatever. Um, but remember thinking, oh, poor bloke, you know, poor bloke. Bit. I think he's oh. in jail in Canada at the moment. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. That took a turn. Uh, have you spoken to Bruce about the Cathy call? Because that's like one of the most iconic things yep. in history. Yep, lots of times and lots of times where he's spoken about it, lots of times where he's, um, where he's nailed it. Um, in Early on in my career, you know in the Sunday Times magazine or whatever is the Sunday magazine and the Sunday paper, there's the column down the side every now and then, you know, 20 questions or five questions with um, Kylie Minogue or yes. Alf. Or um, <laughs> aging myself, um, uh, Bruce McAvaney, or um, uh, someone that's on a yep. sofa. And one of the questions was, Bruce, have you ever had a call that you're not happy with? Yes. And Bruce's answer, which was really good for a young commentator at the time, uh, was every call, every call I've walked away from, be it footy or whatever, I've walked away and thought, ah, should have said that, could have said this. Ah, oh, why didn't I say that in that moment? Now we look at Bruce's calls and go, they're all unbelievable. <laughs> Bruce looks at Bruce's calls and goes, oh, I wish I'd said that. And that was really good for a young commentator to read because when you're starting, so you often think, oh, jeepers, I buggered that up or I should have said this or why didn't I say that or why wasn't I bigger in that moment or whatever. So when Bruce said that, that was good. Bruce said about that call, yes, he felt the pressure. Yes, he knew it was a huge moment. Yes, he knew everyone in Australia was watching. He'd done the work, so he felt comfortable with that. He knew his craft, so he felt comfortable with that. And he said, I just tried to switch off and enjoy it like everyone else was enjoying it. Now, he's calling it, but that was his approach to big sporting events. Certainly in footy where you get nervous in a grand final, but that was definitely his approach. A big game coming up, can't wait. And you could see certainly towards the end of his career when those two would come together for a grand final. like They, they were nervous in that excitable nervous, this is the big game of the year, but they weren't nervous like, oh, gee, I hope I don't stuff this up. They knew they were going to be fine. Yes. But with a big call, but Bruce says, and he's on tape saying this, um, um, uh, what a... Uh, it's meant to be the other way around, right? Yes, correct. He says, I, I said it the wrong way around. Yeah. Uh, what a legend, what a champion. Yeah. He wanted to say, what a champion, when it, when a, what a legend. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, uh, Maccabi Diva and a champion becomes a legend. I think Greg Miles... Picked up. Well, yes, it was, and a bit of a combo. And Bruce said to me at that lunch, he said, "I said to Greg, are you getting ready for Maccabi Diva's third? You better have something. You know, (laughs) not not putting pressure on him, but hey, mate, they're great mates. Says you better have something, Greg. You better have something ready. And somehow, some way, a champion becomes a legend. And Bruce went with Kate. Of course, it didn't ruin the call at all. Yes, Um, but Bruce. Had wished he'd said him the other way around, but that's good. I like that. Let's cool. have a look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, talk us through in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, like you said, I think you've called seventeen Australian gold medals. Okay. Perhaps the most memorable for for punters mm. 
is Stephen Bradbury. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Can you, can to, you talk us through that? Yeah, well, the, the long version of me talking, we could do multiple podcast episodes of that. And on the speaking circuit, I've really made that one work. <laughs> so just, <laughs> so I know you're going to tighten this up, so you're not giving it all away. But basically, um, so Steve makes the final. Um, he had a lot of luck. So you know, did you when, did you call the the, the yeah, final before? Yeah, and actually, the, the 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 long play of this story is I get a phone call one day in November from Andy Kay, the head of sport, and I could see there's a lot of sevens in the number, and it's got an O two. And I thought I better answer this call in the days when you're allowed to answer the phone in your car. And it's Andy Kay, the head of Olympics. He goes, Basil, how are you going? What do you know about short track speed skating? <laughs> now, of course, I'm a bloke from Perth. It's forty eight thousand degrees every day here. Um, I've been to Mirabooka Ice Rink once for a year five birthday party. Mirabooka Ice Rink. I don't know anything about short track speed skating, but of course there's only one answer to give the head of sport when he rings and asks a question like that. Andy, full bottle, what do you need? (laughs) And um, he rang to say that we're heading for 2002 Salt Lake City in February. Bruce, our number one commentator, has had a look at, you know, uh, worked out, he'd done short track at the last ones, thought, eh, not going to do short track. It's a bit less, you know, not prime time, not great chances, those sorts of things. He's going to do the downhill. No Aussies in the downhill, but it's the prestigious event. He was going to do that and hosting duties and that. So we need someone to call the short track. And it really was like we need someone to call the short track, not like hey, this is the opportunity of a <laughs> yeah, lifetime. We, we picked um, it for you to do it. Correct. And then anyway, fast. so spend two months learning it. We get there, first heat, and Stephen actually skates pretty well. Skate of his life, gets through into the um, second round, uh, quarterfinals, then has a lot of luck in the quarters, has a lot of luck in the semis and gets to the final. And it was a five-person final. And for as long as I live, and this takes three hours to tell properly when I tell the whole thing, but uh, for as long as I live, five skaters in this final, Arn of Korea, Lee of China, Turcotte of Canada, Ono of the United States, Bradbury of Australia. Gun goes off, the four of them, Crack skaters right out the front. Bradbury, 15 metres behind them in his familiar position. Uh, skates around, skates around. I've just about given up the call. Got an American co-commentator that we've picked up from a pool of generic co-commentators for the countries that aren't any good in these sports. Uh, and uh, last turn, and he's sort of commentating, and all of a sudden, domino one by one. Hang on a second, sport. I'll take over here. This could be a big moment. You've tapped him. And they've all gone down. And Bradbury from the tail of the field has come through to win gold. And uh, I remember—I I can remember that now and the look on Bradbury's face on the monitor as he goes over the line when the camera front on takes him. He's looking sideways like, have I, have I won? Have I actually won? And, and I remember thinking those seconds when they all went down, uh, it was like it was slow motion. And I remember thinking, get in, say something. This bloke's going to win here. Doesn't matter what you say, just say it. And I'm thankful that I said has crossed the line to win gold. We actually had no idea because in this sport, they go back to the judges and they yeah. review the time. Yeah. It took half an hour. And finally, they go, Stephen Bradbury of Australia's won gold. But I remember Steve put himself in the race. And I talk about this, the lesson for me. He put himself in the race. He hadn't been the best skier. He wasn't the best skater. He had a lot of injuries. But he decided he wanted to be at one more Olympics just to be there to give himself a chance. Gave himself that chance, had a bit of luck in the quarters and the semis and obviously in the final. But sometimes in life, it's not about what's going to happen at the finish line. The lesson for me out of Bradbury, and you know, doing a Bradbury's got a different definition to the one I like about it. Doing a Bradbury for me is putting yourself in the race. 
get yourself into the contest, you never know. And that's sort of been my motto in my career. Just get in there and have a crack and you never know where it might go. And, you know, as I think about where I'm heading now without saying the word, who knows? Who knows where it goes? When people go, aren't you scared? Aren't you worried? You might not get there. It might be a dud. People might criticise you. Yeah, or they might not. And it might go okay. And how do I know that? Because I've seen Bradbury win the unwinnable race and I saw him win it by just giving himself a crack. Very good. That was good. Felt felt like you're getting a bit like speech written political there, but you're it gonna, was you're gonna buzz it in. It was very good. It was it was close. We're, we're, we're not getting invited to the you know, would you give a after dinner, you know, would you give us so yeah, how long do you need? Or how long can you speak? I'll say how long do you need? <laughs> that, <laughs> that can go for five minutes with, or five hundred hours. With the Bradbury call, I, I heard him speak recently and he said he made your career from that. <laughs> he did say that. And we often well, the, so the true story, people always say at the end, you know, called his race, blah, 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 magic moment. Uh, did you ever get to speak to Stephen after that? And a few days later, he came to the studios of Seven in Salt Lake to go on Roy and HG's show, which was huge One of the, the all time. time. Yep. Yeah, great all show. Time. And I got to meet him. And they said, oh, would you like to meet Basil? He called your race, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, yeah, happy to meet him. And people say, how did that go? They go, well, you know, we stood there together, shook his hand. And I said, um, I looked him in the eye and I said, Stephen. I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> That's very yeah. good. Apparently, you walked back into the Channel 7 studios. Bruce said, welcome to the club, you and know, Sandy shook your hand and so said, you lucky what? bastard. So that is a dead set true story. And when I talk about, and some people think, oh, how wanky is this? But there was a thing to be a gold medal caller for seven for an Australian gold medal winning performance. And Sandy, one of the iconic callers, he'd done, poor old Sandy had done figure skating <laughs> since 1980. Now, beautiful sport. Huge viewership. Australia. All the women love watching it, which means it gets, and it's prime time. No Australians in it. <laughs> so the closest Sandy had got to anything, a podium, was, like, you know, one Australian came 10th once. <laughs> you know, that was like climbing Mount Everest. And then Buggerlugs <laughs> from Perth, who picks up short track speed skating as a consolation prize. And then not only does he get the sport in that manner, but then the for the bloke to win it has to go through all of those things to win it. And um, Bruce says, welcome to the club. And Sandy grabs my hand and says, you lucky bastard. <laughs> and, and I reflect on that. And that's why I talk about, so my last one, 2001, I think of Sandy. Um, I got nine gold medals to call for Australia in eight days. Like, how lucky was I? So Sandy's still at zero. Sandy's at zero. Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah, because Sandy didn't do those sports. Bruce did. We need to get, we need to fly Sandy in to yep. uh, yeah. Paris, Paris. Yeah. Oh, you, you just put it, just, just tap him in. You know, when there's an Australian across, almost across the line, maybe in a cycling event where they can't be beaten, just bring Sandy in as the designated caller. Now, Basil, you've been in media a long time. You're gonna like uh, this little segue movement. Thanks, Basil. I just want to give you a bit of insight into. Uh, the Backchat Studios team. Mm. Uh, we're a bunch of unique individuals. We certainly are. Schofield, Const, Westall, Alice. <laughs> right? We're going to engage with our minds and our hearts. Uh, we're going to exchange mm. ideas, thoughts, and even our energy. You know how the rest of this goes. Yeah, do, this, is yeah. the, this is the infamous now, Brett Kirk. Uh, Saturday, Saturday afternoon football. So that was, our, that was my first game. It was Hamish's first game. <laughs> it was Brett Kirk's first game. Uh, it was Mick Malthouse's first game. So the uh, AFL rights had sent uh, from two games to four games for Channel 7 and a Saturday afternoon team was put together. Hamish and I were the callers. Uh, Lee, uh, uh, Mick Malthouse, fresh out of coaching, 
and uh, and then soon to go back in. And Tom, Tom Harley, Harley yeah. from Friday nights. Tom came down to join us on the Saturday nights. Mm. But for two of us, our first crack at it. And uh, Kirky was the boundary rider yes. for the Saturday afternoon team. And I – so amazing. So he pre-recorded that. Right. And what happens in openers, as you would know. Yeah, see, I, see yeah. Often I, it gets joined together. Right. And so you don't actually know what's happened. Yes. Um, so I did a piece with Mick up in the stands. Yep. And then say, uh, good on you. Uh, you know, Mick's giving us his thoughts. What's your tip, Mick? I think um, it was Port Adelaide and then Port will win by two points. Good on you, Mick. Look forward to the call with you. Let's go down to Brett Kirk in the Essendon room. Thanks, Basil. <laughs> That's Thanks, it. Basil. So, so what the questions I have, right? Because this is this is, I, I I've been a boundary rider, mm. and I know how these work. Mm. There's a production meeting beforehand. Yeah. See, I almost guarantee that yeah. you, mm. uh, Harley, yeah. McLaughlin, yeah. right, all Someone, of us, unique he, individuals, yeah. right? <laughs> you would have seen what he was doing. Yeah. No, was so, there any feedback given? So there has to. This hadn't. This can't have been the first time he said no. that. So here's the thing. This is my understanding of it. So and. And the other odd thing about this, it didn't really take on a life of its own right. at the time. Right. Like, I think there was a little bit of cringe factor for people to say, oh, you know. Uh, but it didn't, really, <laughs> it didn't really come into its own as the force that it was later to become. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Right. Until maybe a year or even two years later. Right. And it was then at that point that it got sort of more analysis. How the bloody hell did that come about? So... What I understand is when Kirky was brought into the team, he was encouraged, you know, and Kirky was a different thinker. Yeah. Uh, he was at Frio for a while. He was an assistant. A unique individual. Yep, all of that. And he was. He was. He had five kids. He called them his tribe. Yes. Uh, they were into healthy eating. Uh, you know, they're all pescatarians or this or that. Which is great. That's yeah, yeah, That's of great. course. But so he was encouraged to be himself. And so when he had to think about what he was going to say, given this was the first game for that new Saturday afternoon team, that's what he came up with. Now, I hadn't heard it. You, had, you hadn't heard it? I hadn't heard it. I had no idea. Who'd heard it? Someone had heard it, mate. I don't know if anybody There's someone sitting it. here today that had heard it and said, that's yeah. good, mate. Well, one of the producers might have heard it, yeah. <laughs> it's unreal. Thought, oh, yeah. But you know what happens. It's so, they're doing so many different things. Go, oh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's good, Kirky. They probably, haven't, it. probably yeah. haven't even listened to it. <laughs> so then a few years later on everybody's uh, favourite devices and yes. Twitter really kicked off then and then Insta and they're all going mad. So into my feed from about year three onwards, without fail, without this no no word of a lot, without fail, fifty times a week, <laughs> fifty times a week, some footy following wag, almost always male, often Victorian footy supporter. You know, by this stage, starting to build up a love-hate relationship with the bloke from Perth who's coming up. I will get cut and paid. And still to this day, on we're not talking politics, but on some of my posts that relate to politics, I will get cut and pastes of Kirky's entire speech. Now, we ha I had now this is this is dead set true until the ten-year anniversary, because I knew there was a cringe factor to it. And like I talked about, the Canadian bloke who got. As broadcasters, you don't really want to watch no. things that don't fill you with confidence. Yeah. You, you want to steer away from that. You just want to see good things to sort of inspire you. So I didn't watch it because I, I knew that it had taken off a life of its own. I didn't really want to see it. And then on the 10-year anniversary, Kirky's not spoken about it at all. <laughs> I'm doing Triple M Breakfast in Perth. I remember this. With, with Xavier, yes. Xavier Ellis. And we got Kirky on. 
He was the, you know how it works. He's the ambassador for something or rather, you He's know. chatting about healthy, selling he- something. Healthy giving, eating uh, week or something, encouraging kids to eat a sandwich at school yeah. instead of a hamburger. And so Brett Kirk, and then we go, well, we're going to, and X says, you got to ask him about it. Go, of course. Mate, I can't ask him about it. I've never even watched it. Anyway, so actually, that's right. So, so on the air, the 10-year anniversary happens a few weeks before that. Right. And they make me watch it. And for the first time ever, I watch it on air live. Yes. And I and I see all the fuss, like you can see the awkwardness. But I also thought, eh, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> it was ten years on, so it didn't feel as bad. I was eternally grateful that it started with thanks, Basil, because it's become known as. So when if somebody says that's like us says thanks, Basil, you know exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Now it's a free ride for me. <laughs> How good's that? I'm not involved. I haven't stuffed it up. I'm not the perpetrator of the evil crime, yet it's called Thanks Basil. What? Thank you very much. Like there's a currency with a footy following what? faithful. What, did you hit Kirky up about it? So then, you know, we're tiptoeing around Kirky, blah, blah, blah. And I go, Kirky, you know, you know, you know, you do that last question with people that you don't really want to ask, but you know there's an obligation to ask it. You yes. won't have done the right thing by the show, your audience, yes. all of those people if you don't ask, but you know you don't want to ask it. Probably about to do that. Yep. That sort of thing. <laughs> So, hey, Kirky, and it's always, hey, Kirky, just before you go. You know, you always, give it the, you always give it the just before you go. <laughs> just for you off, real quick. Uh, yeah, real quick. No, you've got to go, Kirky, but just before you go. I see it was the 10-year anniversary of the famous Thanks Basil. Thanks, Basil. And I'd had a bit of a prickly relationship with Kirky because just after he became, he got the job at Fremantle, he was still on the Saturday team. And I threw down to Kirky, and Kirky tells the story of not being, oh, no. He wasn't allowed in the Sydney rooms. He's a Sydney legend. Right. We're doing a Sydney-Geelong game at uh, Geelong. And the producer says, oh, you won't believe it. They won't let Kirky into the Sydney rooms to do the interview. We go, how come? I said, oh, you know, you signed with Freo that week. You're not allowed in. Right. And fair enough. I mean, we get it both ways. In yeah. one way, you go, don't be so silly, let him in. But in the other way, you go, okay, fair enough. He's now a docker or that's where he's heading. And for no reason other than I thought it was an interesting storyline and it shows the, um, you know, how serious footy is. And I say, Kirky there, um, he throws back, I'm up in the box. And, you know, well, interesting. Um, Sydney obviously take their footy seriously. Brett Kirk, legend of the club, but not allowed into the rooms in the week that he signed with Freeman. It was just a line like that to explain what had happened. Anyway, Kirky didn't like it. And he came up at the end of the game. We've talked about this since. And he's given me a spray. And he said, mate, how dare you put me in a position like that? You're trying to make something. I said, no, Kirky, really, I wasn't. All I was trying to do was just say, you know, that's the professionalism of football these days. Clubs take this stuff seriously. And that was legitimately what I was trying to do. I also understood why Kirky didn't want to <laughs> want it to be made out that he'd had a bit of a war with his old yeah. club. He then comes to Fremantle. We meet a couple of times. I always think, geez, in the back of his mind, he's he still thinking about that. But then we got on famously um, after that. Anyway, so I get to the question, just before you go, Kirky, and I'm thinking this could go either way here, you know. And Kirky chuckles and laughs and he says, boys, you know, I hadn't watched it either, but he's got two sons or he's got a son that plays footy and he says, my son, a few years ago, goes, hey, Dad, what's this thanks Basil thing that everyone's talking about? And so with that, Kirky had gained a new street cred Amongst the young, well, his son was sort of probably thinking, geez, Dad, that didn't look too good, but everyone's <laughs> yeah. running around with that. Anyway, he talked about it. He had a bit of a laugh about it. X and I are high-fiving ourselves. We <laughs> finally got the exclusive. Brett Kirk breaks his silence on thanks, Basil. You know how the, the especially the FM media, you know, the, you can see the post that goes up with it. And he, he had a bit of a laugh about it. And he said, 
not a day goes by and someone somewhere will walk past me and go, so you reckon it's bad? You know, I love it because yeah. how do you reckon Kirky feels? Wow. When it doesn't matter where he is in Australia, somebody walks past him and goes, thanks, Basil. <laughs> Dave would have been in your ear going, make him say thanks, Basil. Yeah. Make him say thanks, Basil. I think we did a bit of that. I've definitely replied to your tweets with thanks, Basil. Thank you. No, and so uh, if I look in here now, there'll be one. I, I won't have to go more than a day or two back in direct <laughs> comments where someone has just cut and paste a thanks, Basil speech. Do you? Sometimes they change it a little bit to reflect the story of the <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Other times they just go with thanks, Basil, the whole speech. We well, might not be Channel 7, but we do have a decent little audience here, Basil. So... So just for the record, I'm get for a new our run audience. here, aren't I? Yeah. And you know what I want? Do you like now? it or not? Do you well, like now it? I do. Now that I'm away from footy as well, I go, how good's this? Right. You know. Some see, s- I only see the positive though. Some sort of relevance. It's yeah. Good. Even if it's people trying to really give me, you know, trying to poke fun at me, which, as I say, I was the free free ride in all of this. But I do like it. Yeah, I That's do good. like it. That's great. Well, thanks, get Basil. him, get him coming in. Thanks, Basil. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Baz. You're a terrific talker and, and we appreciate Probably your time. Too much, yes, no, you haven't talked yeah. too much. It's been terrific. That's what podcast. a podcast is for. <laughs> uh, we've come towards the back end of what we've got to ask you, Baz. Did you have fun? Yes. Uh, it's been incredible. Thanks, Baz. Yeah. Now, uh, social media, not social media, social. Ah. So talk about Basil's footy show. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Well, instead of social, social. Clever play on words. This is oh, where... I, I didn't understand it when I looked at it. This is where the people get... Oh, yeah, the post on Instagram. No, I did... I, I knew you hadn't made a spelling mistake. I so knew it was a media. words, but I, I didn't read it properly. This is from back in back in the day when we used like to back chat. This is like from the Basil, and we had it. We've clever. carried this through. Yeah, clever. People clever. get to ask you questions. Not that clever, but clever. Yeah. So at least there was at least ten full quotes of the thanks, thanks Basil, Basil thing right. in here. Yeah. So we're going to leave them out. Yeah, um, let's move into some of these. Look, this some- is the other radio technique, of course, where you don't want to ask the question. So you put the question through <laughs> the viewer. Yeah. yeah. All, I, now, you're dealing with a seasoned professional. I mean, every difficult way to ask a question, I've found a way to ask it. Don't worry. I like being very transparent on yeah, this no, show. Well, and just to, really, let you, but, <laughs> to let you know, no, but to let you know, like 99% of these are always from people, but every now and then. You'll make one up. We think. Yeah. What do we want to ask Baz but not ask Baz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know with me, open book. You Correct. Exactly right. Anyway, and we're going to get there. Correct. Well, I don't know if we are, oh, okay. to be honest. I've had fun. It's interesting to say, like, which one do you think we're going to ask about Wait. and just see what he... Let's see. Let's start with Kurt Mitchell. Wherever it goes. Let's start with Kurt Mitchell. Okay. Why is there always a light in the fridge but not in the freezer? Yeah, where did I see that? Someone Was that on... That was on oh, your... Oh, so I, read, I, did, I read that one. Good. Yeah, that was a bad, stupid question. Do <laughs> you want the real answer? Oh, yeah. Do you what? know it? Uh, why, why is there a light in the fridge not in the freezer? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? It's a very good. Have you guys got the? Where is the freezer now in your setup? By the way, have you got at home? Of, you know, yeah, but you know, there's the fridges that have got the. Well, here we're on the budget. Then, no, we're, no, we're but just, the freezer at the top. I've got freezer one the freezer side, and one freezer fridge. at the bottom. I got a side. I got a split. Yeah, we've got new fridge. We've got like the double doors. They're both fridge, and then double doors down below, and they're both freezer. It's a bit bougie, right. isn't it? And I'm thinking now with the new one, is there a light? There's not it. It's a very good question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go maybe at night is this the answer maybe at night you're not typically going for the frozen product true could that be it like you're not getting out a frozen chook um, at 11.30 at night are you let's go with (laughs) P-R-C-O-K-S underscore Uh, Baz I invited you to my 7th birthday party and unfortunately you couldn't make it but you sent me a signed photo and a a channel 7 hat with a letter I've actually got them somewhere still so I'll 
put out the invite again. Do you want to come to my 34th birthday wow. this year and have a bev? That's commitment, isn't it? See, get them young and they stay with you. Uh, well, I'd like to see the details. If, if that... You know, you'll, you'll, Does that sound like something that happened? That sounds that sound definitely sounds real. Yeah, I read that and you go, yeah, that would have been right. So I know we're not allowed to go there, but no, if wouldn't. the birthday party's in Perth yes. or in Churchlands, <laughs> <laughs> I'm this. there. All right. Look at this guy. I'm there. All right, there we go. Hmm. Dubster. Uh, your entry into state politics started slightly rocky. Hmm. How do you combat the brutal world of politics and the media? Uh, well, fortunately, you know how at the very start you said, how do we, how do we introduce this bloke? Let's uh, let's just say it's Basil Zemplis. Yep. That really is the answer. Uh, so whatever's happened, whatever's going to get flung, whatever's been said, it's been said, and I've been handling it for about 30 years. So I do feel very well equipped for the journey ahead. It, it is going to be brutal, I know that, but I'm, uh, I'm ready and I'm better versed than most to be able to handle it. Do you think the timing, uh, this is from Will Schofield. Mm. At, uh, Will Schofield. at Will Schofield. <laughs> do you think, like like just reflecting on two weeks ago when you're announcing state mm. politics and we have the blow up with yeah. the- uh, Reserves game. Whatever yeah. that was. Yeah. You know the true story, don't you? Well, you know- I've heard it. Yes. So not, I'm Not I'm, from you, I haven't. Yeah, so I'm speaking with Michael Genovese and uh, we're waiting for it to get going. And I say, Geno, are you reading the news tonight? And he says, yes, I am. And I said, oh- his wife, Jerry DeMassey's at seven and she'd been filling in. I said, oh, is Jerry reading at seven? He goes, yes. And I said, oh, it's a derby. You're going to go head to head. And then I say, oh, but the tennis is on tonight. And he goes, yeah. And I go, ah, well, then it's a reserves game then. In other words, the news up against the tennis, the tennis final, uh, because I've been there in that situation many times. If you're up against live sport, people don't watch the news. So it's relegated to a reserves game. But incredibly, and this is a bit unlucky, but a good lesson, I suppose, the live feed that went out on a one of the sort of smaller backyard news organisations, he didn't do this on purpose. I'm certain of this. But the moment he pushes go on his feed, which is going out on Facebook Live, happens to come in halfway through that conversation, which did, I accept, made it sound like I was saying that the women's tennis was the reserves. But we had clearly been talking about the news. And to Jenna's credit... When asked by a thousand journalists from around the country <laughs> later that day, what was he talking about? He did the he he backed up and confirmed. He said, "No, we were talking about the news." So it was unfortunate, but actually, I didn't feel like. Or yes, I felt like oh, I better explain what's happened here. But I thought I'm going to be okay here because I hadn't done the wrong thing. I hadn't said the wrong thing. That's good. Anything from you, Dad? You no. pick one, mate. Let's keep going. I want to. I want. Jenny DMCB. Yeah, do you miss the good old days at the Red Sea in Subi? The Red Sea? Is it still there? Is there a no, it's got under the sea now. You, gold, oh, no, exactly. Is it, it is. still under the sea? It's under the sea, but then there's, there was Gold Bar. And, was, it, yeah. was, it, was it Buddha Bar? There was Buddha Bar. No, Buddha Bar no. was down on the corner, wasn't it? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. Oh, they, were good, oh, they were good times. And so when I was a younger man and single man, um, that was that was one of the places we'd go out, the Subi Hotel, the Llama Bar. Were you here for yep, Llama Bar days? Thursday night I met my wife there. Oh, there you go. And what was the one a little bit further up? The other, it was, so it was the Red Halfway Sea or, up, or um, was the, yeah. what was the other one just up the road a little bit? I can't remember. Up High Street. Yeah, um, it was halfway up High Street. But so that was, uh, yeah, that was where we used to get around. Very good. Well, that was see, the first. I saw a young scowie in there once, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. probably. First place I ever right. snuck into, underage. Really? Llama, Llama Bar, yeah. Really? Yeah. Shout, Shout out, out Llama. Thursday night jazz. Very youthful looking. 
good-looking man down. I reckon you could sneak in underage still. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Mitchell Withers. I'm not a voter in church. Since. Um, my mum's a massive fan. Can you say hello, Rhonda? Hello, Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What's going on? Uh, uh, Saxon Saunas. Uh, what's your favourite herb? Uh, basil. Great. Thanks, Basil. Red. <laughs> Indoor underscore 12. Uh, what AFL game stands, stands out as the best you've commentated? Got um, so, um, call, a couple couple come to mind. Uh, Tom Hawkins after the siren to beat uh, Hawthorne. Hawthorne yeah. When Hawthorne hadn't been able to beat him in about the 12 previous. We call him with... Bruce was away right. doing the Olympics in 2012. We didn't have the Olympics. He went and called for the world feed. And Hamish got one game the first Friday night and I got the second game. Hamish got a 100-point blowout next to Den <laughs> and I get one of the games of the century mm. and um, there'd been a point kicked. I do the kick in. The ball's marked and instinctively I knew, give it straight back to Den. You know, like you still I called like one second of that passage of play, but I just knew, give it. It was my turn to call. I called, Mark. Straight back to Dan, and I did, and then calls that at the end. So that comes to mind. In similar circumstance, the tragic death of the former assistant coach of West Coast who'd been at Port Adelaide and been at Adelaide. He, the unbelievable circumstances, no football for one week. And then the next game back, incredibly, was Port Adelaide versus Adelaide on a Sunday afternoon in Adelaide. Was it? And by chance, I'm drawn in the roster to call that game with Bruce McAvaney in Adelaide and Lee Matthews, the great man, who's the expert, and me. And uh, there's a goal kicked. It's back to less than a goal. Adelaide are down. It was Phil Walsh's team. Ball's bounced in the middle. Goes about five metres. My call because Bruce called the other goal. Ball goes five metres. Another ball up. And just instinctively, and these are the things you sort of really have to know. Straight back to Bruce. You know, I had another 30 or 40 seconds if I wanted it. Straight back to Bruce. They kick a goal. They win. And Bruce, in Adelaide, all of those moments, wraps himself around it as only Bruce can do. And I remember thinking, I'm very pleased that that happened. And probably the prelim uh, um, prelim final, Richmond getting into the 2017 grand final. That I, I um, Dusty went mad that day. They played yeah. who? They played. Played GWS maybe, and uh, they're into the grand final, oh. and they win the first of their three. Yes, and um, I was on the Saturday night team by that stage after Den had retired, and then I went off to do Weekend Sunrise and came off the footy in a regular sense and called that game, and that was the biggest game I called in a in a, you know in terms of the pecking order of games because it was a prelim final. Did you always want to call a grand final? Yeah. I said, you know, I was just absolutely wrapped to have been calling AFL footy. I just thought it was all amazing. And and it was really sitting next to those guys, that's what made it amazing. I think Basil has given more than enough time today, Daniel. Yep. Finish <clears throat> off with the very last question. Uh, it's from the Eggman. How does Basil like his eggs? Uh, I like that. Uh, scrambled. Scrambled. Right. Nice. Scrambled. Uh, scrambled. A bit like uh, my career's been. Uh, had a crack at everything. <laughs> and we'll keep having a crack at everything. I've enjoyed this, boys. Yeah. Well, we've enjoyed it as well. I, I think, um, I don't know what I thought coming into it, but hopefully people have enjoyed it as much as I have. I've been very much intrigued to some of your stories, mate. It's been right, great. Right. And, and you know what I like about this? I feel like, you know, um, scratched a bit of the surface. There's a bit out there. But as I've reflected, 
There's still plenty left in the tank. I mean, that's a part two. Come back. So either the book or the subsequent podcast. If you, there's a lot of good material. I'll finish with not having spoken about politics this entire time. If and when you become the premier of this state, you are booked in for part two, Basil Zemplis. Okay. Yes or no? What that is a deal. Great. Very good. That that is it. In fact, in fact, if I (laughs) become, I'm laughing. If I was ever to become premier. My first, my first interview on the Monday after, because it mm-hmm. happens on a Saturday, whenever, yep. whenever those sorts of things happen. First interview on the Monday after. Back chat. Back yeah. chat. Great. Back chat. Yeah. While, while we're locking in Fucking things. Fucking make sure that's, 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 that's there. all on film. I'll see you there. While we're locking in things, and just I'm just hedging yeah. our bets here, if for some reason you become the Prime Minister yeah. of Australia, right. could we get that same deal locked in? Yes, and and or the and the Governor General, and, and <laughs> yes. if I become the King of England, right. uh, the Pope, or any of so those things, first. all locked in. We have the first. Yeah, great. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thank, you thank you. You're welcome. That's- Aren't you going to end with? Thanks, Basil. I was getting there, Basil. <laughs> Just wait two seconds, please. Backchatpodcast.com.au. Uh, you can find your good stuff there or backchatstudios.com.au as well. Fleet Network bringing you the podcast this season. Whippersnapper Whiskey, Mother River Roasting Co. A uh, couple of others that are pending at the moment. Shelter Brewing Co. <laughs> I'll get over the line after this yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> that is correct. Uh, thank you for all of your support. Thank you, Basil. Thanks, guys. Great fun. Well done. Keep up the good work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.